Welcome to a bonus Patreon episode. Where we take a look at another Hanna-Barbera mystery-solving franchise in the format of Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts, exclusively for our patrons. I'm your host, Amelia. And I'm your host, Billy. And we're watching Clue Club, The Walking House Caper. It was some sort of walking clock. Apparently, no. It's a house. A house. And a caper, no less. When was the last time we covered a caper, Amelia? Uh, everything could be a caper. Oh, but I mean specifically in the title. Well, like what? Like Scooby Doo. When was the last time Scooby Doo handled a caper? Because let me tell you, this clue club. You are asking the wrong person if you well, think I've retained any of that information. It is very unimportant because essentially. <laughs> All I want to tell you is that the Clue Club, can I read you some of their other episode titles? The Paper Shaper Caper. The Weird Seaweed Caper. The Green Thumb Caper. The Disappearing Airport Caper. The Solar Energy Caper. The Vanishing Train Caper. The Dissolving Statue Caper. The Missing Pig Caper. The Circus Caper. The Prehistoric Monster Caper. Is that every single there, episode? It is not every single episode, but my god! For there only being 16 episodes of Clue Club, that is a high caper ratio. They love those little green things. They do. That you put on top of fish. <laughs> do you remember the one Christmas where it was Christmas Eve and I was out at like three different stores trying to find capers? Yes. And I eventually found it. So we could have... Locks on Christmas it was, morning. It was a wonderful Christmas morning. But boy, that was... I remember that thrill. The adrenaline of going out and just, oh, I gotta find it. It's Christmas Eve. I gotta find it. I felt like I was finding a Turbo Man action figure. <laughs> and anyway, that's, that's my caper story. This one's quite different. The, uh, the Clue Club. This is our first time with the Clue Club. It is. But it feels like our 17th time because it's just every other Hanna-Barbera mystery-solving property with with kids with different hair colors. It, that's so true and yet so false. I feel like this series is such an averaged-out version of Hanna-Barbera. Like, I, I have not come across a series I am so indifferent on as this one. I I have harsh indifference, I have to say. It has two talking dogs. Not just one, no, two. exactly. And they have very clear speech patterns. They're doing better than Scooby-Doo is with the English language. And this is where it averages out for you? Well... What is the most insane property on this scale that you have? Versus the most boring, because you said this was an average. I don't think you know what averages are. Well, okay, well, there's, what is it? There's mean, there's median, and then there's mode. Whichever one feels really boring is this one. And hey, this, it might just be 
that I'm not a fan of walking houses, but I think it's more that I'm not a fan of this squad. Well, who's not a fan of walking houses, Billy? Who's not a fan of walking clocks? <laughs> We're gonna get... <laughs> we are gonna quote that Simpsons episode until the end of this episode. So if you do not like that quote, get the hell used to it. It's just delivered so well. When yeah. Rebobble gets angry and she's like, Bart, is it some kind of walking clock? And Bart is so confused. What? No, it's a dog. In this case, it's what? No, it's a house. <laughs> you love that trope, too. You love the trope of someone, like, really feeling like they're getting viscerally <laughs> angry in a cartoon. <laughs> uh, a little housekeeping for this episode. Clue Club, the walking housekeeper is season one, episode eight. Season only. Season only. It's one of those one-hit wonder seasons. Uh, there is a bit of difficulty for me in tracking down exactly when this aired. Uh, according to IMDb, it aired on October 2nd, 1976, which would have been the same day as What a Shocking Ghost from the Scooby-Doo show. However... Wikipedia lists it as airing on October 23rd, 1976, which would be the same day as Harem Scarum Sanitarium. Stiff competition either way, I would yeah, say. Those are for sure. These are two very classic episodes of Scooby-Doo, and I don't know if I can recommend watching Clue Club instead. Are they airing at the exact same time? I have no information on time slot. Or is Clue Club coming on right after Scooby-Doo so you can just watch it? Might have been on a different network. There's literally no way of knowing that information. But I have a premise. The club spend the night in a forest house, holding a safe ad uh, A forest house? A forest, yeah, a Before forest house. Before we go one step further. Let, let me get through it. <laughs> the club spend the night in a forest house, holding a safe of advanced metal only to wake up the next morning to find it gone with strange sightings reported afterward. Forest house, advanced metal. It's <laughs> Holding? All, it's all on the up and up. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the, the house is, is holding the safe. No, that's not what you say. No. Con not. Containing. With. The club spend the night in a forest house with a safe. Well, I don't know what you would really say in that sentence. The Clue Club are there. And we gotta talk about this advanced metal, apparently. It's very advanced, Amelia. We it's can't like... just say they spend the night in a walking house and just let that <laughs> carry us forward into the episode. The premise mentions no walking. Let me put that on the table. The premise mentions no walking, and the walking that happens in the episode is very confusing. It's not a walk at all. It's no. a gyrate. It's a twerk. It's a shimmy. This is the twerking, the twerking house. house. <laughs> I like that so much better. What What did you think here, Amelia, at first glance? Let's start right there. I Actually, I guess the way that we do these is we talk about the theme song. Yes, because at first glance, the theme song mentions one of the characters by name. Yeah. So I was like, okay, Billy, pause it. I want to write down what the... The theme song is going to say about every single character. We open with the character named Dottie. And then that's all. <laughs> the theme song doesn't mention any of the other people in the show. Gotta so my at first glance is, 
what the fuck theme song. And here's the thing about this theme song. We watched this episode not but yesterday. Amelia, sing that song for me. No. Because you have no memory of what it is, No, do you? on moral grounds. It was so highly offensive. I certainly have no memory of it. If I try to do it, it's like, Clue Club. What's the story, Clue Club? And that's that just Wishbone. Be, no, that might be exactly it. It's not the fucking Wishbone theme. Maybe Wishbone isn't as original as you seem to think if it is. If Wishbone is ripping off Clue Club, I'll eat my hat. That dog had class. Maybe there's only so many ways you can arrange notes in an opening theme song for a children's show, and sooner or later you're going to cross paths well, with no, another one. But this is also 1976, so I swear, like, this is going to be really aggravating for the listeners, because they just heard the theme song at the start of this episode, but I swear it's got to be something like, Do-do-do-do-do-do-do! Clue Club! Do-do-do-do-do-do! Clue Club! Yeah, it's got that energy. It's something like that. You probably have it smack on in both instances. Poop, <laughs> That's what's going to aggravate everyone. But yeah, uninformative. I still feel somewhat unclear of who these characters are. Except for one. I'm not saying that the theme song has to include descriptives about everyone. Yeah, but the show Sco- should. Scooby-Doo has never done that with a theme song. No. I'm just upset that it was just like, here comes Dottie to troubleshoot. And then you're like, all right, what does yeah. everyone else do? And then it was just Clue Club over and over again. It would be like if it was like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Donatello does machines, Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles, <laughs> Ninja Turtles. What? Donat... Donatello does what? What about the rest of them? Guess they do nothing. They don't do machines. Which is true, because I guess Dottie was the only one that, you know, had a brain cell to rub together with another one. Let's start with Dottie. Since she was mentioned in the theme song, she's clearly the most important character. She stays home. The Dottie, the Dottie dossier. Can we open with the alliteration we, we work can. so we d- damn hard on? We spend on. so long on the alliteration and we hardly ever use it. The Dottie dossier. She stays home. The rest of the gang travel to a new location and she is not with them. Well, she's only like, what, 11? So you shit? leave her home alone? I assume the parents are around. I know not of what these parents are that you speak of. I've never seen them in a Hanna-Barbera property. She's just, like, at home computing. Because that's her thing. She is a a computer user. And it's 1976, so that's that's a big deal. She's got chemistry kits out. Yeah. She's got a seismograph because she's hyperfixating on earthquakes today. And she keeps trying to destroy this man's steel. They, they, the rest of the gang meet a man who has created a highly advanced metal. And then I guess he mails her some of it because she spends some of her time trying to destroy it. First, they were invited to this house by the man. Yes. They didn't just stumble upon the man in the forest and follow him back well, to he, his hut. He calls them first. They are specifically requested. Second, it's the oldest one of the group sends a bit of the steel disguised as a dog bone with one of the talking dogs. Okay. So that I guess she can see this miracle steel because it wasn't in contention that, like, the steel needed to be tested. There was still some subterfuge there. 
This man invites them to help guard his steel. And they, in fact, steal a little bit of it so that they can undermine him. I don't trust this clue club. Why do you think they're trying to undermine him? Because they stole his steel. Maybe they were given that piece. Then why would they need to smuggle it as a dog bone? Because a very aggressive Bigfoot was stomping through the woods looking for it. That's That's a good point. That's a very good point. Maybe the Bigfoot should have joined a clue club. (laughs) (laughs) And then he could apparently get all the steel he wanted. Uh, Dottie, according to the Wikipedia entry about her, is often mocked within the group for being so young and so little and stuff, but... That's healthy. Well, if you were, like, 18-year-old Larry, would you want to hang out with 11-year-old Dottie? I simply wouldn't admit her into my club. Well, that went above your head because she's, uh, she's Pepper's sister, so Pepper's mother was probably like, and now take your sister okay. to your clue club, but really, she was just going over to Larry's house to fuck him, and now she has to form a clue club for real? Was Pepper the lady? Yeah. Okay. Androgynous names. <laughs> Anyways, Dottie, at the end of this episode, comes to save them. She lock picks a lock and frees them from a basement, and... They they rain down accolades upon her. Bless your smart little heart. Little one, I adore you. That is, but they couldn't be bothered to bring her on this trip in the first place. That is some praise. You know who Dottie does remind me of? Penny? Absolutely. One thousand percent Penny from Inspector Gadget. She has a television watch, for God's sake. Computer watch is probably more accurate. Like she uses well, it for, no, those for audio. Watches, she does it for Zoom calls. Those watches are not very advanced because you just hit the watch face and then it sets off alarm an alarm back at base. She's just using like a regular camera. Oh, is that all it is? Yeah, the watch is simply a it's mechanism. A, it's a pager in which you warn people that you are trapped because at one point the watch says CC on it. Mm -hmm. At one point, the C on the right blinks, and she's like, oh, they just want to talk to me. But then, when they're all trapped in the basement, the left C blinks, and she's like, oh, no, they're all in trouble. So, okay, so I'm actually going even further now. It's it's not even a pager. It's a medic alert bracelet. A little bit. (laughs) But it has to do with clues. So obviously, it is inferior to the medical alert bracelet. (laughs) Apparently. Clue Club here, what's your problem? I've fallen and I can't get up. We're on the case. The, the old lady caper. <laughs> the broken hip caper. Moving from Dottie to her sister Pepper, the Pepper plot. She's Dottie's older sister, and that's all you're gonna get. Boy, is she blonde. She sure is. And she wears a, a pink shirt. With layered on top of a green shirt. So that's a lot going on. She's got blue jeans, some knee-high brown boots. She has, like, a belt around her, like, right under where her boobs are. So, like, more on the waist than on the hips. But I don't have... And it doesn't match the boots, and you're supposed to match the belt to the boots. Nothing on this girl matches. And if you're wondering why Amelia, of all people, is focusing on the fashion, it's because there's, like, nothing else going on with Pepper. I can't tell you that she, that she is a, a ditz, that she's super smart, that she is sociable, that she is shy. She makes she, fun of the dude that's scared 
but then is also pretty scared herself. She is simply an average woman. Yeah. That makes for great cartoons. <laughs> I personally think, like I stated earlier, she was just going over to Larry's house to have sex, but then her mother was like, where are you going? And she's like, oh, I'm part of a mystery club with Larry. And she was like, that's got me covered. Every teenager starting a mystery club. And then she had to take her younger sister with her and got embroiled in an actual but mystery here, club. Here's the thing. Amelia. Mystery club by happenstance. I, I will raise you here. Larry doesn't have sex. Larry has glasses of water. <laughs> Billy, you say this like Larry isn't just the epitome of every brunette white man that has ever existed. You're as bland as Larry. Oh, I no, no, no. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. I have traits. Larry doesn't have traits. <laughs> uh, my one note for Pepper before we leave her is that at one point she does try and hold hands with Dee Dee so that they don't get lost in the fog, but she accidentally holds the hand of a monster. And that makes for some suspense. And I lied, because I have one more note. <laughs> and that's that her face gets covered in mud. That's something you never really saw with the Scooby gang. You never saw them get muddy. At least not the girls. Yeah. Here, everyone gets muddy at one point or another. It's a, it's a mucky episode. Well, this forest house isn't kept very clean. <laughs> Apparently. Then let's, let's talk about Dee Dee before we lead up to the, the front and center Larry. The Dee Dee discourse will center around the fact that, that they are a nerd. <laughs> um, yes. He, on Wikipedia, he, he's wearing a hat, and that hat is described as Sherlock Holmes' deerstalker. What? But that's not that at no. all. It's like a yellow plastic fisherman's hat. He's ready for the rain. <laughs> but, uh, if you if you get a deerstalker in bright yellow, the life choices you have made up to this purchase are incorrect. I'm waiting for it to show up. No, never in my life would I imagine that to be a deerstalker cap. That is a rain hat. It's almost like from this angle, a, a baseball cap worn on the side, but it does have a flap on the other side. Uh, it is, he's really um, not great. He, he wears his shoes on the wrong feet and has back problems. <laughs> he gets up in the morning and he shuffles into the kitchen and he's like, He's got slight discomfort wearing his shoes on the wrong feet without realizing it. And he's just like, oh, that's it, gang. I'm down for the count. I'm dying. I'm getting too old for this business. <laughs> and it's like, hashtag same. Yeah. Like, I've never related, I think, to anyone. I'm no, just getting up in the morning <laughs> being like, oh, my back. I'm Kill. so old. I'm I... 16. Kill me, Dad. <laughs> I don't want to live anymore. He puts his shoes on the wrong feet, and that's it. He's going to lay down and die. And here's the thing. He just woke up, too, right? Yeah. So the maximum distance that he has walked is from his bed out to the living room. <laughs> the DD discourse is good. <laughs> he puts his shoes on the wrong feet, though, because he, he leaves his shoes by the side of the bed. In 
the way that he like would swing his legs off and put them on immediately right. in case of emergency, he says. But somehow, throughout the night, his shoes got switched around. So he just slipped them on without thinking at all and then walked that six to 12 feet into the kitchen and figured it was death instead of his yeah. shoes are on the wrong feet. 100%. And then, you know, Dee Dee and Pepper go off and get lost in the woods. And if you cut that out of the episode, nothing would change. They I, are inconsequential. I saw on Wikipedia Pepper listed as someone's older sister. And I thought for like most of this episode until she explicitly says my little sister Dottie that that Dee Dee was the younger sibling. Yeah. And this was an older sister younger brother situation in which that was an exquisite relationship they had animated and i was almost going to praise it but then it's just that he's a cowardly dork and she's a pretty popular girl so that's where the the headbutting comes yeah. from between the two they're they're near each other in proximity the larry logistics he is the oldest of the club this is a full-grown man that should be wearing a suit and going to, I don't know, a stockbroker job. He has no emotions or capability to display them. He is a very normal man. He speaks. According to Wikipedia's <laughs> description of him, he is the interviewer of the club. A neutral party. He will find the person and ask questions before having the little girl solve the mystery. Now, I will agree with you that he is like the p plainest man I've ever seen. And I work in an upper-class grocery store, so I've seen some truly plain men. But I will still raise you that that's just an, that's an average man that you will find walking down the street, Billy. Yeah, I... Every man has no personality because he was raised not to need one because really? he has a penis. Really? Have you never noticed this about your own gender, that you're talking to one of you and you just want to shoot yourself in the head because it's awful? <laughs> not, not all the time. <laughs> that's me with like 99% of men. I mean, I knew that. I just didn't know if it has objective fact. I always you, saw that as more of a personal choice. You from day to day waver from acceptable to unacceptable. How am I doing today? Acceptable, for the most part. Good. There's like two other men on earth that I will listen to without complaint. Well, I hope Larry's, Larry's not one of them. Larry's not one of them. Because Larry is a bad guard. They They are here to guard this safe. And then... They wake up in the morning and it's gone. He leaves the two dogs around it. What else do you want? Larry, but here's the thing. Larry's reaction to it going missing is, well, it's only a safe, Mr. Lane. First of all, you were explicitly asked to guard it. And two, there is generally things inside safes that you are protecting. Not in this case. In this case, it is the safe itself. No, the safe was holding the formula to the steel, but the safe was made out of the new oh, unbreakable steel. Okay, I only picked up on the part that the safe was made of unbreakable steel. He calls everyone clowns at one point. I think Dee Dee and Pepper are arguing, and he's just like, cut it out, you clowns. And then that's the end of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> everyone is so taken aback by his language that they, they just fucking straighten up. Yeah, fly right. 
they get rescued at the end by Dottie. Dottie is there. She rescues them. Everyone else is, is thank you, Dottie. Thank you. We would have died without you. Larry's reaction is, but you shouldn't have come without the sheriff. Well, she is a little girl. Right? Okay. I'm saying he's correct. I'm saying it's impressive that she can't. She didn't come without the sheriff, by the way. The sheriff was hot on her heels. But uh, I I guess I'm defending Larry now. The Larry logistics. I'm defending him for some reason. She's a little girl. And little girls shouldn't go storming into dangerous situations to save her friends just so she can prove something. I just don't think it was the time to admonish her. That's not how you save face from being called pipsqueak who gives you want to save face being called pipsqueak just don't give a shit oh i maybe i give a shit too much and i think that is a known character flaw of mine but i think i'd be a little petty here if i was that girl and he said that to me that door gets closed that door gets locked i'm on my way back to new york or wherever the hell their headquarters is however we are forgetting Two members of this gang, a bloodhound and a basset hound. Named Woofer and Whimper. So let us get into the Woofer, Whimper, and the Whimper Woofs. Alliteration provided by Billy. That's just mm, exquisitely awful. I would say provided by the Clue Club itself. I will give them credit for this. For allowing us to talk about Woofer's Whimpers and Whimper's Woofs. They both have southern accents. Yes. But different kinds of southern accents. Uh, Woofer is, and I'm doing this from memory, so forgive me. Woofer is more of that, uh, the the old time I'm in charge here bit of a southern accent. And Wimper is that more feminine southern accent, the kind where he would definitely be wearing an all-white suit to the cotillion (laughs) and drinking a little bit of... Of sun tea. Mint julep. Uh, I would would love a mint julep later, but it is the middle of the day, so I I was just going to have a sun tea. Ooh. They probably would call it sweet tea. Sweet tea. I was trying to remember it as I talked, and it was making me look like a fool. We here in Canada just call it iced tea because, of course, it comes sweetened. Who wants to drink cold, unsweetened tea? I don't even want Northern my... Americans. I don't even want my hot tea unsweetened. Give give it to me right. <laughs> Billy, pound that I... sugar into Billy. Yeah, pound it into me. Woofer sounds... <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna give a few moments for our listeners to cut that as they need to. Woofer... No, I'm not. Woofer sounds a lot like Tigger. He does, actually. He sounded a lot... Like Tigger, and also he tries to kill a kitten at one point. A kitten is seen, and yeah. it initiates just being playful. Not even that; it's really just standing there and it meows. It exists, at him. and he goes over to fight the kitten and makes her cry. This I... kitten has tears in her eyes, and Whimper says very sadly, "This is the opposite of Woofer, the very small dog." Whimper says. She was just playing, and it was very sad. Look at this. I wrote down here, bite a kitty who cry. I, way to make me hate a dog. And later on, they antagonize a lobster. Not only physically, but emotionally. (laughs) (laughs) And they love to seem to antagonize each other. 
There was one point where where Woofer is sitting in a chair and Whimper just goes over and fucking spins it so that (laughs) Woofer flies out of this chair for no reason. Yeah, because like their relationship very much seems to be that like Woofer believes he is in charge, that he's the old guard. He's a blowhard. He's teaching Whimper, and Whimper, I guess, is like, he's kind of subservient, but he knows. He knows that Woofer ain't shit. Uh, Do they do anything for the mystery? They deliver that steel to Dottie, and they... That's it. That's all. (laughs) They do a delivery. Um, Woofer wears a proper deerstalker. Yes. And and Wimper has an, a blonde bowl cut, even though dogs wouldn't grow hair like that. Yeah, so but that's... So I don't know what's up with that. It's, it's a rug. He's, He's very self-conscious of his lack of hair. Yeah. Even though no other dog has hair. Completely. Okay. Doesn't it sound accurate? A little bit. Do you have more for these two? No. Then let's move on to our myriad of minor mentions. Our first one is Mr. Lane, who is the owner of the super strong steel formula. He has a safe made out of that steel that he built into the foundation of his forest house. And that is all. That's all for Mr. Lane. He he doesn't really, like, he gets these kids to spend the night to keep an eye on his safe. Where does he go? I don't think he was there during the night. I just gotta say, he must be super convincing because he's asking them to come over there. And he's like mid-sentence when it's scene transition. And we're all in the cabin. (laughs) Wrote this down (laughs) in general feelings that it is a hell of a transition we see. I've never seen anything so bold. (laughs) It was just there. As to be like... Well, here's the mystery, and then there's like a half a second of wavy scream, and yeah. bam, the kids was, are in the forest. It house. was like, do you know how they sometimes do like a wibbly wobbly for a flashback? This was as if it was a wibbly wobbly, just for the normal passage of time. Particle transporter made the air around the kids yeah. wibbly wobbly, and that's why in the very next scene, it was as if the the when producing this episode. They lost page four of the script. And so, ah, just put them there, I guess. They're here now. Uh, there's a sheriff here whose name I didn't catch. I didn't catch his name either. But he he fucking reminds me of Tom Bosley. Gotta tell you that. I wrote down that his eyes are weird. Everyone's eyes here, like, well, not everyone's. It's like a 50-50 split of eyes having... Like, being eyes versus being dot eyes? Let me pull up a picture of Tom Bosley. You tell me if you think his eyes are weird. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's got kind of weird eyes. But I'm talking about just the animation style in general, because sometimes it closes in on Pepper's face, and, like, her eye <laughs> eyes look very strange when it then cuts to, like, Larry's dot eyes. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about these minor mentions, especially in early Hanna-Barbera. It very much could be pulled from different sources. Like, I, you know, they reuse monsters all the time. Why not reuse human men? I feel like there's more of a cause to bring them into the story. Uh, the sheriff thinks something funny's going on here. Hmm. There's also snakes. A school of (laughs) snakes. Uh, Woofer is sitting on their hole in the ground, and they all come out, and... They look at the dogs, and one of the kid snakes says, 
What are those funny long things under their bodies? They're dicks. Stop staring at me. <laughs> I was just going to continue the actual quote, but that was very funny. Um, yeah, the teacher explains that they're legs. This is a very different sort of show. We've just, like, cut into some sort of Looney Tune or other talking animal type show. There are also birds that just speak. One of the this birds is, is named just a Fred. thing in this universe. Yeah, that animals have their own realm of, of pure sentience. And organization? Because those snakes were in a school? Learning in an organized environment? I don't know how much you're going to learn staring at dogs' dicks, but all right. Enough. We also have Dan Benchley. He is the general store owner and from the get-go is very suspicious. He owns a general store that stocks lobsters. That seems too specific for a general store. It doesn't stock lobsters. That's his guard lobster. He lets it out at night. That's a terrible idea. Yes! What is a crustacean going to stop me from getting the cash register? Nothing. It's probably just going to die. <laughs> I would simply pick it up by the tail. Put it back in its tank? Also take it with me. I'm oh, going to boil go. that up for dinner. Oh, I was going to say he's got a better life, but not if he gets boiled. Yeah, uh, Dan Benchley, uh, he drops the bomb that there are rumors that that house is alive. Yeah. Alive. He he looks those kids in the eyes and he says that house is alive. It walks. Uh, he, okay, crazy man. Yeah, sure. I have no evidence of this, but yeah, you go off. <laughs> uh, his store contains a lot of explosives that he says are used to blast out tree stumps. That seems like a very seventies thing. Yeah, just exploding a tree stump. Nowadays, I think you you. Go for shovels. Oh my god, up until like the 90s, I think people just burned them. People might still burn them. I mean, that makes sense, depending on the environment around that stump. You know what we did at my cottage? We had a, we had a tree we had to cut down. We, we left a stump. You know what we did? We put a tabletop on it. Just became a nice table. Where was this? It's... Uh, actually, it might not be there anymore. It, we might have pulled out the stump since then. But it's, it's by the deck on the side. These bold-faced lies. I've never seen this. It's, you know, <laughs> there's been a pandemic. It's, I haven't gone in a while. Uh, then there's Mr. Eaton, who we find creeping through the woods a couple of times. He yeah. wants to buy this land to turn it into an amusement park, because apparently that was the only thing being built in the 70s. <laughs> it's so often! schools, Fuck none of that. Amusement well, parks. I mean, how bad would it look if these kids are like, yay, we stopped a hospital from being <laughs> built. <laughs> you kind of need to have it be something fluffy. If the hospital was going about these unscrupulous means, lurking through the woods in a Bigfoot costume, hey, maybe you should celebrate. You know, a walking hospital would actually be quite useful. Bring it to the I'm, places it I'm would be needed. I really don't think surgeons are going to love that, Billy. Or anyone that has to put a needle in someone's arm, or... Well, you don't do that kind of work there. What do you do there, then? Just emergency so, trauma. Surgery? Anything, anything <laughs> you can do in an ambulance, you would do in the walking hospital, but just at a grander scale. So you just want ambulances. Constantly patrolling the size of buildings ambulances. Uh, and last 
but not least is a man named Howard, who I wrote no notes down for other than, holy shit, how many people are we going to meet? <laughs> he he was Mr. Lane's partner in science. He thought Mr. Lane was going to steal the formula from him and take the credit for this elusive super steal all for himself. Dude, get a lawyer. Before you start accusing your business partner of this shit, get a lawyer. Now, I'm, I'm now going to go into the villain, and I'm going to say something right off the bat. This villain is the Howler. He is a Bigfoot-type character, roaming these woods for the last 200 years, a hairy, faceless, hungry thing, makes for a great villain. I know what you're thinking now. Where the fuck's the walking house? Not the villain. That's for damn no. sure. And I did not realize the walking house had occurred until the end of the episode. Okay. And, and that upsets me greatly. All right, we'll go well. into it. But so now we'll go into it because this, this Bigfoot, the Howler, great villain. Wonderful villain. Do you want to say anything just praising this villain? Okay, I'll just, I'll, I'll do my terror scale, but not the number. This thing is uh, nothing but fur and glowing yellow eyes and inhuman screams and really trumps any Bigfoot I think Scooby-Doo has ever tried I, to do. It's been a while since we've seen Bigfoots of this era, and they were really scary things. You forget that. It's a time when Bigfoot could have been real. So who is it? And what's his master criminal plan? I think it was Benchley. I didn't write down for sure. I, every white man looked the fucking same. It, it absolutely was Benchley. Uh, all of the clues that we collected from his general store were accurate. His family actually owned all the houses around this lake. He originally owned all this property and his family had a hand in building all these houses. Which is how he knew that there was an identical house to the house where this safe was across the lake. So instead of stealing the safe, he pumped a gas into the cabin, took everybody out, brought them in a boat across the lake, and put them in that house. While he could spend time alone getting out the safe in, in the house it was originally put in. He wants in that safe because he wants to steal the formula to sell it so he can rebuy all the land his family used to own. Now, as for feasibility... It hinged on having an identical house at his disposal, so no. Well, and also, no. I feel like in real life, I would notice very quickly that I had been moved to the other side of the lake. Yeah, everything would be... Opposite. As soon as you go anywhere else in town. Are all the trees the same? Yeah, you would, you would go out and you'd be like, wait a minute. I went down the road and now the store isn't there anymore. That's the road to the highway. But here's my problem with that, Amelia. At, like I say, out of episode, I would understand that instantly. In episode, I had no idea that fucking happened. The only clue that they had changed houses was that the dude's shoes were on the wrong feet. And they found a boat with a bunch of air mattresses in it. Because the Bigfoot had the consideration 
to knock them out with sleeping gas and then put them on air mattresses there- as he boated them across the lake. But there is no mention that I can tell in this episode of them actually being in a different house. No, it feels very... The sort of mystery this is is like a murder she wrote mystery where yeah. it's like you can kind of follow along, but the final epiphany is going to happen in Jessica but, Fletcher's head. There's no way you're going to solve it before her. But this should have been the whole thing. Like, oh, it's a walking house. Wait a minute. We woke up and now we're on the other side of the lake, but we're in the same house. Did the house walk? I didn't get that scene. I just got, good morning. My shoes are on the wrong feet. So, feasibility, fuck you. That's my feasibility rating. Luckily, terror scale. For the howler. Yeah, this isn't a Chan Clan situation where we just have to put a terror scale on a fat Chinese man. <laughs> Which we, I believe we refused to do, yeah, if I recall. Not. No, I will grade the howler. This is an excellent Bigfoot. This is easily an 8 out of 10 for me. I gave him a 6. Yeah, he's good. And I think part of it is the lack of detail in the animation. Which He's is, got no nose. Yeah. There's something about noseless things that are just off. You just see him at one point wandering in the woods with a, with the, with a girl's scarf as he screams into the night. <laughs> and it's harrowing. Do you have any other thoughts or feelings on this episode? Can we please draw these mystery solvers in something other than a van <laughs> or a dune buggy? Now, luck- no one has yet to be in a sedan, a four-door <laughs> sedan, and this is another group that's in a roofless dune buggy. They could have taken public transit. There was a- could have taken a jeep. Now, did we see them in the dune buggy in the episode, or was the yeah. dune buggy? Oh, oh we, we did. Yeah. I was going to say it might have only been in the opening title sequence. Even still, even still, the dune buggies are there. I see the appeal of the dune buggy because then you can draw them. In the car, but also you see everybody. Like, everybody's faces are highly visible in a dune buggy. Bicycles would also qualify for that. Why aren't they all on bicycles? If they're children, that would make sense. I've never... Larry is, like, 32 years old. Yeah, but in in the 70s, (laughs) he would have had a bicycle. (laughs) You've never once complained that the Scooby Gang's faces are not visible. When they cut into an inner van shot, yeah. you see everyone's face. You well, can the... you can do that in a sedan. Yeah, but you know what? They're lazy. I'm tired of can't... dune buggies. I'm, I'm tired of it's dune buggies too. No way for a man to get around. A speed bu- is speed buggy. Speed buggy's a dune buggy. Yeah. Well, that's why buggies in his buggy. Name. Well, could have been a horse and buggy, but. Where's I know, horse? I know that's really? not true. Where's speed buggy? That'd be horse? fucking funny though if they did like a a speed buggy 1880s edition, and he's a horse and buggy. Speed buggy going to visit his Amish cousin. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, right, L- listeners who are Warner Brothers, get us on the speed buggy reboot. Please, God, no! It was my least favorite of all of them. We'll talk. I don't think I have anything else left to say for this episode. But I will say, I enjoyed talking about it more than I enjoyed watching it. Talking about this episode has been fun. And thank you to our patrons for funding it and giving us a reason to do it. You're cool, and you know it. You have anything else you want to say to them before we sign off? No. I think you covered it. Then I, I will merely ask, was the walking house caper 
a Scooby Doo or a Scooby Don't? I don't know. It's so hard. It's it's bland. Yeah, yeah it's very. Not, it's not like a Jabberjaw where it was like, I just love that brunette bitch. Yeah, Scooby Doo for her alone. Or but like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a it, Scooby maybe it's until a, I see more of the Clue Club. Yeah, it's a it's a maybe for sure for this episode. But I'm leaning towards don't for the Clue Club. I don't think the Clue Club has grasp my attention you're willing to give be cool the benefit of the doubt but not the clue club bored by be cool like of all things i'm at least not bored are you serious it is like the most boring shit we've had to watch since like the 80s look i'm not i'm not i'm not getting into this now we're no, we'll get into that with our next regularly scheduled <laughs> episode don't you worry about that and on that note that's it from scooby Doobius. the scooby dooby and whimper too. That's that's nothing like what he sounded like. <laughs> <laughs>